You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the hometown of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So they hosted a dinner for Jesus there. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of expensive perfume made of pure nard. She anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was going to betray him, asked, why was it this perfume sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? Verse 6, Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Someone say thief. As the keeper of the money, he used to help himself to the money bag. He would take from what was put in it. Verse 7, leave her alone, Jesus replied. She has kept this perfume in preparation for my, my burial. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. I came here to tell you this morning, obedience is easy in the presence of God. The title of this message is Obedience is Easy. Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that your word is true and that every man's a liar. We declare your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Father, we hide your word in our heart that we won't sin against you. Lord, I pray right now that you would give us ears to hear. I pray that you would give us hearts to understand, uh, uh, minds to understand, hearts to receive what your spirit is saying. I pray that you would blow upon your logos, your written word, Holy Spirit. And I pray it would become rhema for us today. Lord, we declare that no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome in this room. We say fear, you have to go. We say any rebellion, you have to go. Anything with mammon, you have to go. We say, Holy Spirit, come rule and reign. Holy Spirit, we do not make room for you in this room. We give you the entire room. So we say, come and have your way. Father, I thank you. No one came to hear me. We all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. And amen. We are in a, a season that we're calling easy. Everything is easy in the presence of God. In fact, hard things become easy in his presence. I love getting the messages from many of our members that are like, Pastor, I'm having a hard time with this, this word. Or my flesh is having a hard time with it. And I understand that because my flesh has had a hard time with it too. Because I was raised and taught that life had to be hard, marriage had to be hard, ministry had to be hard, serving the Lord had to be hard. Everything was hard. We'd wear this Christian badge of honor and barely make it week to week, service to service, month to month, year to year. And then every year we could get together on New Year's Eve and complain about how bad the year was we almost didn't make it and try to come up with something rhyme that encourage us for the next year. Or we could partner with God's word that despite going through hardships, despite challenges, despite trials, Matthew 11 says his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And he already carried his yoke. It was his cross. And if we are in his presence, it means he's carrying the heavy stuff. We're just hanging out with him. Someone say it's easy. 
We just got back this morning, actually, from Washington, D.C. We spent two days there. Uh, Pastor Jasmine is still out there. Uh, um, she, I don't think she loves you as much as I do to come home on Sunday morning. She's staying in sightseeing. So we got up early to come back. Heather's telling me to stop. Uh, so we're out there with Let Us Worship, uh, declaring fear, go Holy Spirit, come prophesying over our nation on the National Mall last night. It was really fun. And, and, and Heather and I are walking down the streets uh, of Washington, D.C., and we start hearing these ladies start screaming, it's easy. It's easy. And we're looking like, what, what's going on? They're like, we're online campus members from New Jersey and Philadelphia. Pastor, it's easy. Come on, someone shout, it's easy. Now watch this. When, when you hear this word, it's easy, it kind of confronts your flesh. But when you receive it, you feel the peace of God come on you. Someone just say, Lord, teach me how it's easy. If you missed this first sermon, you can go watch Easy Church in the City and uh, you can get caught up if you're new to this word. Every Sunday, I say a statement. I open up the time of, when I'm talking about MC Connect and membership and encountering God with this statement, I say, when you get into the presence of God, it's easy to hear him. When you begin to hear him and obey him, everything begins to change. It's not an accidental statement that I'd say every single week. It's a truthful statement that everything in your life begins to change when you learn how to hear God and obey. Someone say obey. In fact, this is how you how I've summed up our ministry is just simply hearing God and obeying. I don't know if some of you saw about five years ago when we did a video uh, announcing that we were gonna plant a church in Fort Worth. And I said on that video, you know, we've been in full-time ministry for about 16 years and, and I would describe our ministry as just hearing God and obeying. And whatever God told us to do, we just did. And so if, if he told us to, 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 to write a book on spiritual warfare, we did it. If he told us to go do a prophetic conference on the Navajo Indian Reservation, we would do it. If he told me to write a book on homosexuality and God's heart for sexuality, we just did it. Despite all the other pastors that told me not to do it because I would, I would lose popularity, I said to them, I, I didn't know our call was to be popular. I thought, our I thought our goal was to hear God and obey. It's funny because the pastors that told me that, that I would lose popularity if I did it, those are the ones that asked for our help years later because they didn't address issues and lead people into biblical truth and then had a bunch of challenges because they didn't want to talk about hard things. Then whatever God told us to do, it was just a journey of hearing and obeying. And I'm telling you, sometimes it was hard and sometimes it was easy. But over and over and over, I had this same thing about hearing God and obeying. Because here's the thing, is hearing and obeying are inseparable. Because if you don't obey, you won't hear. And if you don't have a heart to hear, you won't have the instructions of what to obey. So it's been a, this adventure of hearing God and obeying, hearing God and obeying. And uh, for years I was a, a traveling evangelist and loved God, loved his presence, loved his people, loved people encountering God. But, but, but I had grown up and seen such dysfunction in church 
that I had made an inner vow that I wasn't going to ever pastor because I didn't want to be a part of the dysfunction that I saw. I swear we had almost as many church splits as we had church services growing up. And I watched people lose friends and I saw families get torn apart. And I saw so much dysfunction. I said, Lord, I don't want to be a part of anything like that ever. So I made this inner vow that I wasn't going to pastor until one day I'm driving through Fort Worth in September of 2016. And I hear the Lord say, I want you to pastor a church in Fort Worth. And I struggled with it for six months because I didn't want to do it. But here's the problem. I've been praying since I was 18 years old. Lord, would you speak to me? And then when he speaks to you, you have to start obeying. And, and, and I, I went to Heather and I, 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 said, I said, babe, I, the Lord told me that we're supposed to plant a church in Fort Worth. And she said, you said we were going to plant a church. I said, I'm very aware of what I said. And I went back to the Lord. I said, Lord, I said, I wasn't going to plant a church. I was never going to pastor. And he said, you said that. I didn't say that. Don't tell God what you will or will never do. I, 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 I said, I, I didn't even know what that looks like. And the Lord said, just build it around me. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's pretty cool. I've never seen a church built around God. I've only seen church built around men. So we started asking the Lord, what do you want? Teach us what a mercy culture looks like. Now, I thought that I would never want to do this. I thought that this would be the worst thing in the world. It'd be a prison sentence to have to pastor because what I grew up modeled and seeing. But what I didn't know is that it would be the funnest thing I've ever done in my entire life. I would have the time of my life and I'd be a part of this amazing community that we call mercy culture. Watch, all because I heard God and I obeyed. I hear this all the time. People say this to me. They say, Pastor, thank you for your yes. And I know what you're saying, but what you really mean is thank you for your obedience. Let me ask you this question, church. What does it matter if you hear God, but you don't obey? Reminds me of all the people running around going to prophetic meetings, trying to collect prophetic words to do nothing with them. What does it matter how many prophetic words? Are you collecting them? I'm confused. It makes no difference if you hear God and you don't obey. In fact, that word obey in the Hebrew is the word shema, which actually means, watch this, to hear. The word obey means to hear. It literally translation, translates to mean submission to what is heard. I love this because when you study obedience in the Greek and Hebrew, there's two kinds of obedience. One comes audibly and one comes visually. Here's what God's word saying. He will speak to you either audibly or he will speak to you visually. But it both, no matter how he speaks to you, it's your responsibility to obey. You know, my definition of obedience is, my personal definition of obedience is success. You know, I talk to strong leaders all the time and almost all of them have the exact same fear. Do you know what their fear is? Their fear is failure. 
That's their fear. They are afraid of failing. And, I, and whenever I'm having this conversation with them, I'll, I'll say, can you define for me what failure is? They'll say, Pastor, I'm just afraid of failing. Great, can you define what failure is? And usually they you know, stumble and bumble right about there because they can't define it because there's a spirit of fear that's provoking them and they don't realize it. And I say this to them, I say, can I, can I tell you how I define failure? And they say, sure. I say, I define failure as disobedience. And I define success as obedience. What am I telling you, church? You cannot fail obeying God. Well, pastor, what if it doesn't work out? You cannot fail obeying God. What if it doesn't turn out how I thought it was? You cannot fail at obeying God. A couple years ago, the Lord spoke to us that Pastor Steve Pinate was supposed to run for mayor of Fort Worth. And that made everybody mad because pastors are supposed to stay in their church. And the media loves to say, separation between church and state. Exactly, get your state out of my church. Well, why are you guys so political? Cutting off the private parts of children's isn't a political issue. We get reporters all the time, well, how come you guys are in politics? Well, you're only calling me because it's working. What you mean is, why are you causing trouble for my agenda? We'll talk about that next week. So pastor, God told Pastor Stephen and the elders for him to run. So he ran and uh, he got 11% of the vote. People were just blown away at, at, at his campaign. And, and a pastor called me and he said, hey, I just wanna give you my condolences. I said, for what? He said, well, Steve lost. I said, he didn't lose. I said, you never lose obeying God. I said, oh, he didn't become mayor yet. I said, but, but he didn't lose. Now watch this. So about a year passed and a state representative called Pastor Steve and said, hey, I feel like you're supposed to take my seat. Pastor Steve came to the elders and said, hey, this was just said. We all prayed and the elders unanimously prayed together. We're like, we don't feel like Steve, you're supposed to do it. But as we prayed, we all felt like Nate Schatzline was supposed to do it. We go to Nate Schatzline. Nate Schatzline the week before has a dream that he's doing that. We, he said, God already spoke to me in a dream. Not only did he win, but he won by a landslide in the primary. And he's about to win next week. Watch. Hold on, hold on. But if you just think Pastor Steve lost, What if your obedience, I feel the Holy Ghost, was opening the door for your children? 
What if your obedience was opening the door for your children's children? What if your obedience was opening the door for someone that doesn't look like you, that you never met with? Uh, uh, in another town, another city where God brings his sovereign grace and connects you. What if you were doing something to infect a city, a nation, a person, a ministry in a time that you never even knew about? No, no, no. What you mean is, is what did I get out of this? What did you get? You got the opportunity to please the king. And if the king wants water by a well near the gate of Jerusalem, then that's the water that we will fight for and risk our lives to get. Listen, whatever is on the king's heart is on our heart. So your obedience is so much bigger than your current situation. Obedience is powerful. Obedience is success, and obedience is easy in the presence. Let me show you this verse, Philippians 2, 12. This is Paul speaking to the church in Philippi. Therefore, my dear friends, you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, look at this, but now much more in my absence. Paul saying this, when I'm with you as a spiritual leader, y'all are very obedient, but I have to go now. And when I go, I need you even more obedient when your spiritual leader is not around. Here's, here's what he's saying, is you can't just look obedient when you come to church on Sunday. You gotta be obedient at the cocktail party on Friday night with that business job thing. He was saying, you have to be obedient, watch, not just when your saved friends are around, but obedient when there's worldliness around. Let me give you another example. Genesis chapter three, look at this. I use this text in Genesis three just about every other sermon because it applies to almost everything. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field the Lord God had made and said to the woman, did God really say? Enemy's always questioning the word of God. The enemy is always challenging your obedience. You must not eat from the tree in the garden. The woman answered the serpent, you may eat in the fruit of the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God has said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. Now watch this. It was easy for her to obey God when she was in his presence. But all of a sudden, she found herself talking to a snake. And now the snake is getting her to question what God said in obedience. See, some of you are great Christians when you're in your small groups. But you got some friends that are snakes. And as all they do is try to get you to question God's word. Isn't it amazing how they told us for years and Lady Gaga sang it for us that they were born this way. There's nothing you can do about it. You were born this way. But now they want to cut off the body parts of how they're originally born and change the way they're born. Does that make sense to you? 
neither does it to me. Do you know why? Because it's spiritual. It's confusing because the enemy always works in confusion and he tries to manipulate. He tries to, to trick. He tries to deceive in any way he can. Some of you have snakes around you. And the snakes are always trying to get you to disobey God, to disobey his word. And what happened? She listened to a snake. Hmm. Obedience was modeled by Jesus. Hebrews 5.8, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus himself had to learn obedience. Philippians 2.8, look at this. After being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Watch, obedience makes you die to your flesh. See, the world will tell you, be you, embrace who you are. When God's word says, die to your flesh, deny who you are. The world will tell you, my body, my choice. When God's word says your body's not your own, you are bought with a price. Watch, you cannot obey the ideologies of the world and God's word at the same time. Obedience pleases the Lord. God said in a loud voice from heaven in Matthew 3, 17, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. Your obedience, it what pleases the Lord. How many truly desire to please the Lord? Nothing pleases the Lord more than your obedience. Obedience expands territory. Obedience is an adventure. It's an adventure with God. We're called to teach our children how to obey. Ephesians 6.1, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. A lot of people aren't aware that you're not called to be your child's friend. And a lot of people don't realize this, but like when you're raising up a child the way they should go, obedience is not optional. And a lot of people allow their obedience on their children to be optional because your obedience to the Lord has become optional. So you're raising your children in the way you operate with God instead of how God's word tells us all to operate. See, in our house, our kids' obedience is not optional. Talking back to your mother is not optional. Can I get a few people that are not white to help me out this morning? Why is it not optional? Because it can't be optional when you become an adult to obey God. And you're seeing the weak church in America because God's people don't obey God. They don't obey God's word. You're seeing the, 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 the decline in America. You're watching it break apart. Why? Because God's people haven't obeyed God. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not optional. <laughs> but you have made it optional. Do you understand that obedience is spiritual warfare? 
2 Corinthians 10, 5, look at it. We destroy every argument, lofty opinion that raised itself against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive to make it to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. There is a war on your obedience. There's also rewards for your obedience. Deuteronomy 28, 2 says that there's blessings and curses waiting for those that obey or do not obey. Obedience reveals your heart. Matthew 21, verse 28, there's four verses there. It says a man had two sons and he went to his first son and said, I want you to go and work in my vineyard today. And he answered, no. But then turn around and said, yes. Then he went to another son and said the same thing. And he said, yes. And he responded, no. He said, which two of those sons did the will of the father? Watch this, you cannot be in the perfect will of God and not obey. I love this prayer that people say. I wanna be in the perfect will of God. I desire to be in the perfect God. I wanna be right where he wants me, doing what he wants me to do. Great, start with obeying. And when you begin to obey God, you will find yourself in the perfect will of God. Do you know obedience reveals your heart? I love this scripture. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, John 14, 15. It says, if you love me, this is Jesus speaking, you will obey my commandments. Jesus said this, watch. If you love me, you obey me. Your love for God is displayed through your obedience. If you really love God, it means you really obey him. So biblically, when you see love, we also see the word heart. Mark 12, 30, it says, so you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Anytime we're seeing love, we see heart. And when we look in the Bible, when we see heart, we see what's attached to our heart over and over, it's money. Matthew 6, 21, it says, for where your treasure or your money is, that is where your heart or your love will be also. Now I'm about to shift gears here and I'm gonna start teaching about money. And I wanna warn you that we're not taking up an offering. And if you start getting irritated that I teach on money, great, we're exposing heart issues. But I asked the Lord what are the people of God struggling with that they need the revelation that it's easy in your presence? You know what he told me? Healing. He told me joy. And he told me giving. That a lot of people are struggling to give because you struggle with your obedience. What I love about my life, my job, is I get to just give away my relationship with God. And one of the greatest things I have is this intimacy with the Holy Spirit, this ability to hear God, that I've partnered with obedience. And I wanna tell you how I learned how to hear God so clearly. I turned 18 years old and I read this book called Good Morning Holy Spirit. And I became obsessed with hearing the voice of God. 
Every single day, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Every single day. I mean, I would pray. I still, it's been 21 years, and I still pray it every day, multiple times a day. I'm still obsessed, probably even more obsessed at 39 than I was at 18. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And we had this little uh, 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 piano room, choir room at the church, my dad's church, and I'd go in there, and I, I would worship, and I'd pray, and I'd ask God to speak to me, and I would never hear nothing. But whenever I was in a hurry doing something that was important to me to do, he wanted to talk. And I'd be going to hang out or play volleyball on the beach with my friends. And, and, and I'd be going and, 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 and the Lord would speak to me and he would tell me to do something that I didn't want to do. I was like, Lord, no, no, tell me to do cool stuff. Give me words and revelation, angels, cool things, scrolls, something like that. And the only thing God would tell me to do was to give money away. I remember one time I'm driving my car. We're going to go play volleyball at the beach. It's a Seattle summer night. It's like one of the 30 days it's not raining in Seattle. And I'm driving. And, and, and back then, Fast and Furious just came out. And so I had one of those Fast and Furious cars. And so it was obnoxious and lowered and loud muffler. Like it was just, it was lame. But I thought it was cool at the time. And, and, and I'm, I'm driving. And, and uh, I, I passed this lady. She's, she's, right in the, she's jogging on the side of the road with a, a baby pushing a stroller. She's jogging. And I'm and I, driving past her and I hear the Lord say, I'm 18 years old, he said, go give her $100. I'm like, no. I only have $200. And in fact, I'm trying to take a girl out. It's gonna be a lame date if I give half this away. I'm like, Lord, you own a thousand cattle on a thousand hill, you give it to her. I keep driving. And I hear the Lord say, you gonna obey me or not? Well, I guess respond like that. <laughs> Let's hear your stories of disobedience. <laughs> so I turn around the car and I'm coming back. I'm like, fine, I want you to talk to me. So I'm turning the car, I'm driving back and I look over and we lock eyes. That's just weird. <laughs> I'm looking at her in the eyes and I chickened out. It's like she saw into my soul. And I kept driving. I'm like, Lord, I'll get you next time, okay? I'll obey next time. Next time, I'll obey. He said, then I'm gonna stop talking to you. Turn the car around. I want you to talk to me. I'm driving. Now I've passed her twice in a fast and furious. I pull up behind her, get out of the car. She sees me and takes off sprinting. And I start running after her. I'm holding the money up and I said, the Lord told me to give this to you. She stops, turns around. I finally catch up, hadn't met Heather yet, wasn't in shape from running with her yet. I hand her the hundred dollars and said, so the Lord told me to give this to you. And she goes, we're out of food. I went on a walk asking the Lord to provide. That happened all the time. Hundreds turned into thousands. I'm 18, 19, 20 years old, giving away thousands of dollars when the king says to. One time I just got irritated. I'm like, Lord, enough. Here's what I said to him. I said, why won't you talk to me about anything but money? He said, because I got your attention. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Watch. If you can hear God about giving, you can hear 
about anything. Oh, but many of you are like me. Lord, tell me the cool stuff. I want to do the cool stuff. Give me the cool assignments. I want to change the world. I want to see revival. I want to see cities taken upside down. We want to see people coming into government and championing the move of God. We want to see raising up leaders all across America, planting churches. We want to do cool stuff. He says, but I don't have your attention. And you will ruin and mess up every cool thing I ever ask you to do if I don't have your heart first. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. I hear this all the time, where people say to me, thank you for your yes, and you thought my yes started at starting Mercy Culture? No, my yes started at 18 years old with that money in my hand. Was I gonna obey God? See, scripture says if you're trusted with a little bit, He'll make you rulers or he'll trust you with much things. See, some of you are asking God to use you, but you're not trustworthy. How are you trustworthy with the kingdom when you're not trustworthy with your money? I'm going to pastor you today. I'm going to father you today. And I want to celebrate how many individuals in this house are faithful, obedient tithers? And to my knowledge, I don't think I've ever heard of a church that has more faithful, obedient tithers than Mercy Culture in any church I've ever heard of ever. You can put your hands together. <clears throat> There's over 2,400 scriptures on money, wealth, stewardship, and possessions. Let me, break, let me put this in perspective. There's 500 verses on faith and 500 on prayer. And 2,400 on money, wealth, stewardship of possessions. Church, you need to hear this today. I wanna to father you today. Your obedience begins with your tithe. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into my storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty. See if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing, you will not have room for it. The word tithe translate as a tenth or tenth part. It means a test, a law, or responsibility. God says, I want you to bring a tenth of everything you have, and I want you to bring it to me. An offering is anything above tithes. So a lot of people think that they're generous or they think they're givers, but they don't tithe. And you can't even begin to be a giver or be generous until after the tithe. The tithe is holy unto the Lord. Leviticus 27, 30 says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether the grain from the soil, from the fruit, from the trees, belongs to the Lord. What does scripture say? Who does it belong to? It is holy to the Lord. So if it belongs to the Lord, why is it in your account? That word holy means set apart. According to scripture, your tithe goes to your local church. Malachi says, bring it into the storehouse, the storehouse of the Lord. In the New Testament, they brought it to the apostles' feet or the leaders of the New Testament church. So this is usually when someone thinks that they tithe and they tithe to this YouTube ministry. That's not what our Bible teaches us. We tithe to the local church. If you want to support something outside of your tithe, that would be an offering from your heart. 
I hear people that are uninformed say things like, well, I tithe my time. That's sweet, but there's no scripture that says that. In fact, scripture says that you Sabbath your time, where you trust God and honor God with the Sabbath rest, the same way that we trust God and honor God with our money. So we tithe our money and we Sabbath our time. So what is the tithe for? It's for the work of the church to advance the gospel and minister to the congregation. So your tithe goes to running and managing the entire church and the advancement of the gospel. So in our case, we have thousands and thousands of members that we serve on a weekly basis. And we have hundreds and hundreds of visitors that come every single month. And you don't even know where to park without signs that cost money that tell you where to park and where the, the coffee shop is and where the bathroom is. Lord Jesus, do you know how much toilet paper you all go through? I swear some saints wait till they get to church to use the church toilet paper. Do you know how many thousands of light bulbs are in the room? Do you guys how feel the air is a little cooler in this week? It's because we had an AC unit go down. That AC unit was $40,000 to fix. And there's two more to go. And they told us when we have two new units, what they say, Mark, that they're going to not work in 10 years. So it'll be about another $150,000 in 10 years that you got to get ready for because they're going to go out. We have a family center with over 500 kids that we serve every single week. We have a Waco campus that was a $7 million investment in one of the poorest areas in Waco because God says, I want a church there. Do you know what it cost to prepare this room just for IT? It was about a $250,000 project just to get it set up so that there could be internet so our friends in Canada, in Philadelphia, in New Jersey, in Tucson, in California could even watch, watch. But God told us five years ago in a parking garage that there would be media that would come out of this house and go across the world. But who pays for that? Your tithe. Have you ever been to one of those church services that the worship feels like Dick Van Dyke got up there with that trombone, this, the, 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 the drum, the cymbals between his legs and the kazoo? You know that one man? Have you ever been to a church service that kind of felt like that? Yes, me too. How many are grateful for skilled musicians and beautiful worship and sound to be able to, to minister and see and worship? How many enjoyed going through MC Connect and learning how you connect with God? How many appreciated the pastoral care that was there for you when your marriage needed it, when your children needed prayer? Listen, it's the work of the ministry. But let me just pastor you for a second. Even if we took it every Sunday, went out back and burned it, has nothing to do with your obedience. Even if we were poor stewards, has nothing to do with you obeying. Oh, pastor, I just don't know if I can trust the church with my money. So let me get this straight. You trust, trust your church with your soul, but not your money? Could it be that you have money issues? Could it be that you don't trust anyone? It's interesting, you don't trust your church or your wife with your money. I feel it digging in deep. I feel it going deep today. So you have hidden money in certain accounts from your spouse, but the church isn't trustworthy. 
If you have to hide bags and shopping trips from each other, y'all have issues. I told you I'm going to father you today just a little bit. Listen, this isn't a church issue. This is a heart issue. And you have a heart issue. Watch. And some of you, it's very hard to give. But it's easy when you're in his presence. And some of you are missing out on so much of the adventure of God because you're living in disobedience. I want to deal with individuals, and this is a lot of people, and these are good-hearted people, but you're, you're missing it. I hear this all the time as a pastor. People say things like this, and it sounds good, and, it's, and it sounds like a, a, a decent reason, but it's really not. And they say stuff like, well, pastor, I can't afford to tithe. And the only reason you can't afford to tithe is if you honor something else before God. Because when you give God first, you never run out of the 10% to give because you gave it to God first. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. You know what that means is? Is you give to God first. So that when you get paid, you give to God first and then Ford comes next. Then Wells Fargo comes next. Then Sunday Ticket comes next. But you never could not afford, watch, when God's first. Here's, here's what you're really saying. When you're saying, Pastor, I can't afford to tithe, what you're saying is, I have an obedience problem. You're saying this, this is what you're saying. I can't afford to be obedient. Can I pastor you today? You cannot afford to not be obedient. There's like four people in here right now. The church just wants my money. Sir, you've never given anything. How could that be true? One time someone came in and was like, I'm a tither. I demand to meet with the pastor. I'm like, I don't work for you, bro. I work for the Lord. You don't demand, you don't demand anything. People did that in the, in, the, in the New Testament. They're like, we need the disciples, we need the apostles. They're like, no, no, we're supposed to be with the Lord and be ministering, that's our job. But we'll set up people to do works for the ministry. Look at there's a mindset that needs to be broken. This is not a payment that you make if you like the sermon or not. Oh, man. <laughs> Pastors only preach twice this month. I'm at 10% divided by two times. It wasn't easy. I like Church of the City way better than the healing message. So we'll tip him for that. And then, yeah, roundabout minus four, carry the five. Christmas minus Thanksgiving. Here's what it is. Why there's so many people clapping? Because so many people obey God. Exodus 22, 29, it says this, do not delay in offering the first. You know what that's saying? That's talking to people that say, I give when I feel led. That's like saying, I live in disobedience until I have an impulse to give. So let me give you some practical advice. Just give to God first. 
the principle of the first fruit is to give God, to give God first. One time I was, I was an evangelist for 10 years, so I went to a lot of churches, and one time I was waiting on the side room about to go up and uh, on the side of the stage, and uh, the pastor got up to do an offering message. And if you notice in a lot of churches, they do this in between uh, worship and church where they do a motivational pitch to get people to give. It's like a pyramid thing that they do. Well, if you give, God will bless you. He'll bless you even more. If you, if you act now, you'll get two blessings for $9.95. But it's only at this 11.30 service. I feel if anyone gives $11.30, wait, no, it's $1,100. Told you I didn't want a pastor. And they do this like motivational song and dance to, to, to manipulate and encourage and inspire and motivate. Listen, I, I want you to obey God in every area of your life with your money, morally, with obedience, with your career, with your marriage, with your children, every area. And this pastor got up in between the services like, now, I understand some of you are struggling. So if you're not ready to commit to the full 10%, just start where you're at. If it's 2% or if it's 5%, do your best. I'm on the side of the stage. I'm like, I got to preach after this junk. He got up and said, if you can't obey God, just do a little disobedience. That's like saying, if you can't be faithful to your wife, just do your best. It was an emotional affair, not a full affair. Was that a hoot or was that a woe? I couldn't tell. It was a woe? It was a woe? No, but, 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 but we, we say these things. That, so, so, so what this pastor was saying was, I'm trying to get as much out of the people as possible because I have a greedy congregation so I'm gonna partner with their greed and just lean on as much of it as I can to get them to come to pay my salary. I told you I didn't want a pastor. Partial disobedience is full disobedience. Watch, God asks for 10%. This is what he does. He asked us to obey him with this. As I was praying in my office this week, I felt in my spirit that there was a group of individuals that were faithfully obeying God with their tithe. And for various reasons, you have stopped. I felt like I was supposed to call you back into obedience today. I wanted to challenge you. For others of you that you're faithful with obeying God with your tithe, but he's asked for other things. I felt like I was supposed to challenge others. Do you ask the Lord for his heart, for his house, and to give on your own or only when your pastor does once a year at Heart for Mercy? I'm telling you, it's an adventure with God that will change your life. I gotta hurry. Your offering and your tithes are an act of worship according to 1 Chronicles 16, 29. And for those that really don't like tithing, it is in the New Testament. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said, yes, you should tithe. And anyone that wants to partner with greed and look for a reason not to tithe and call it something like it's Old Testament, when they say it's Old Testament, what they're saying was, is it's not 
it's, it's, it's not a part of the law. But here's the problem, is that Abraham tied to Melchizedek, the high priest, four to 700 years before the law was written. So tithing preceded the law, and it goes after the law when Jesus endorsed the tithe. So I'm going to give you three reasons real fast why people do not tithe. The first is they are uninformed. And here's what they don't know. They think their money's theirs. So they think it's their decision. Psalms 24 verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's. Is it up on the screen? Whose is it? Look at this. And everything in it. The world and all of its people belong to him. Who does it belong to? You thought it belonged to you. So then you think it's optional because God allows you to steward it. Hold on, this is important you understand this. It's not 10% is his, it's all his. Hey, guess what? Your wood on your house was made by his trees. You didn't make those trees. Listen, that, that what your car is made up, it's made up of the, the structures of the earth that he provided. I love when, when, when prideful men say, I'm self-made. Really? I'm pretty sure you didn't make yourself. I'm pretty sure the air that's in your lungs doesn't belong to you. This is why people don't tithe, is you think it's yours. It's important. The 10% is not yours. The other 90 is not yours. None of it's yours. But here's what he says. I want 10 of mine back and I'm going to let you steward the other 90. Watch. And I'm going to bless you more than 100 would be because you're coming into a beautiful intimacy of trust with me. That word ownership that word Lord, excuse me, in the Greek of Psalms 24 verse one means ownership. He's the owner, we are the stewards. Number two reason that people don't tithe is you're greedy. First Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money's not evil, your love for it is. And if you're upset in a church service about me teaching about tithing and obeying God, and this irritates you, you are greedy. So easy little check it off the list. How do I know if I'm greedy? Your pastor's letting you know. If you are clenched, some of you are like got four inches taller just sitting there. Hold on a second. You weren't upset with your pastor last week preaching about healing. Oh, you need a healing, all right. Why are you upset? Why are you mad? Why is your spirit at a war right now? Did you have a, a, a previous church that they manipulated and stole? I've had church situations like that. But I didn't give to that church. I gave to God. And they'll stand before God and be judged for what they do. Well, those, those, those evangelists on TV, yeah, don't give to those guys. And listen, 
If we don't take time in the service to talk about tithes and offerings, if we never manipulate, if we do one offering a year, how could you be upset in this environment unless you're greedy? And here's the thing, greedy people don't know they're greedy. I had a close friend come to me one time and he's like, do you think I'm generous? I was like, no. <laughs> he was so offended. I was like, can you tell me how you think you're generous? Watch, it was a blind spot. He didn't realize, no, 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 I, I, I actually am not generous. People that are greedy, you don't realize that you are. If you get irritated when they ask you at the store if you wanted to give a dollar to some children's fund, you're like, how dare they ask me that? No. <laughs> you got issues. I love when business guys come to me and they're like, man, pastor, if you need anything from me, you just let me know. I'm your guy. I'm like, great, I'll never ask you for anything. No, but if you, if you, if you need to, you can. I'm like, I won't. Don't worry about it. God asked you to tithe. Do that. Obey him. We'll be good. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Greed will keep you from obeying God. Third reason people don't tithe is they're afraid. And honestly, I think this is the number one reason. Because you look at what you have. You look at your needs. You look at inflation. You see it on the news every time. People are always talking about it. They pump that fear into you. And you think the strategy for making it through hard times is by not honoring God first. Scripture says this. Perfect love casts out all fear. You know the Bible says that God provides for the birds. That he loves you so much more than birds. How much more will he provide for you? Hold on a second. You mean to tell me you have the faith that you believe that a virgin was impregnated with the Holy Spirit, gave birth to a man who never sinned, he died on the cross, conquered sin, grave, and uh, hell in the grave, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and one day is coming back for you and I. You believe that, but you don't believe he could provide for you? Hold on, somebody. You have the faith to believe that. But not the faith that you can make your mortgage? Fear is a spirit. And guess what? If you are uninformed or you're greedy or if you're afraid, all three of those are all disobedience. Here's what I came to tell you today. This is important you understand this. Your disobedience will cause you to rob from God. I'm gonna ask that if you don't have to move around for the next few minutes, you don't. I, I wanna impart this into you. This is really important you hear this today. Malachi 3, 8 says this, will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me in tithes and offerings. That word rob is the word kavah, means to take someone else's property without consent, forcibly removing embezzlement or defraud. When you withhold your tithe, you rob from God. When you withhold your offering, you rob from you. And if you did not realize that not tithing was robbing from God in sin, now you know. James 4.17 says, whoever knows what the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Let me ask you this question. How would you respond if you caught a child of yours, a friend of yours, an employee or coworker stealing from you. 
if you caught them stealing, how would you respond? How do you think it looks when you steal from God? Malachi 3, 9 says this, you are under a curse, the whole nation, because you are robbing me. I want you to hear this, this is really important. The curse of not tithing is losing the favor of God. The curse of tithing is you never have enough. Do you realize how valuable the favor of God is? This is the benediction of this house. Teach me your ways that we would find you or know you in fine favor. Do you know that you cannot quantify the favor of God, what it does? Huh. How as a 10-month-old church are we drawn to this building and given this, Pastor Bob, God speaks to Pastor Bob, gives us a $40 million facility for $4 million. How does that happen? Two months before COVID starts and the entire world shuts down. The favor of God makes impossible things possible. The favor of God is the ultimate blessing in your life. This is important. I want to pastor you for a moment because there's people in here that are saying, Pastor, do you mean to tell me that you're telling single moms that they have to tithe? I'm saying single moms cannot not tithe. I'm telling you that you need the favor of God. I'm telling you, you need his hand of provision. I'm telling you that when you honor him, when you trust him, when you worship him, when you put God first, I'm telling you this today, you need his favor on your life. Please hear me. I'm not talking about buying miracles. I'm not talking about we give to get. I'm not talking about the manipulation that many of you have probably heard in church your entire life. I'm talking about one thing and one thing alone. It's honor to God. And this is a church that is full of people that love God. You're passionate about God. You're on your face. You're running around the building. You're worshiping. This is a church of radicals. But if you don't honor God with your money, I would challenge you that you don't love him as much as you think you do. Because there was another man who was very close to God and he was stealing from him. He was around him all the time. His name was Judas. Let's go to our text. John chapter 12. This is John's account of Mary in her alabaster box. Mary was most likely a very wealthy woman. She was mentioned in the wealthy women that supported Jesus. We know that she was a sinful woman. We knew that she had seven demons. We know that she was a broken woman, woman that encountered Jesus that changed her life forever. We know that Jesus healed her. We know that Jesus healed her brother Lazarus and raised him from the dead. And this was a woman who loved Jesus. Luke's account in verse 7 talked about how much she loved him. She was a friend of Jesus. And she had this great desire to be in his presence constantly. And the Bible says that she took this very valuable alabaster box or this flask, this, 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 this jar of perfume that was sealed. It was never opened. And according to Scripture, in multiple accounts, it was worth about a year's wage. Imagine a $60,000, $70,000 bottle of perfume. And she takes it 
and she breaks it on the feet of Jesus. Now, John's account says she wiped his feet, but we know from other accounts and other gospels that she wiped his head and his feet. And one of the disciples, but in John tells us it's Judas, and Judas says to her, whoa, 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 this is a waste. Now watch this. According to John chapter 12, verse 6, it says, Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And he was the keeper of the money bag. Now watch this, this is important. Judas is a thief, he steals from God. Imagine this, Judas was Jesus' accountant and he on a regular basis stole from Jesus. Not only did he not give, but he stole and watch, he despised when someone else gave. He said this, this is a waste. Can you imagine you have one encounter with God like this and someone thinks it's a waste? Because extravagant love on God is never a waste. Jesus is stealing, excuse me, Judas is stealing from Jesus. Now, I don't know how you rank people that you should or should not steal from. (laughs) It's pretty bad when you steal from a sibling, from a friend. It's really bad if you steal from a baby. They say it's like taking candy from a baby. I think the top of the list should be Stealing from your grandma. But what tops all of it is stealing from Jesus. Could you imagine? Just stop for a second. Could you imagine stealing from Jesus in the flesh? And by the moans and by your response in that moment, you're like, I I, I couldn't believe it. Some of you say, "I, I could never do something like that. But in fact, you do when you steal your tithe. The same way Judas stole from Jesus is how those that withhold their tithe rob from God. Mary comes with this beautiful gift of worship. Worship team, come and join me. And she begins to break it at his feet. She begins to worship him, watch, with her gift of obedience. Church, what you need to understand, ha, hear this, what you need to understand is how much your obedience blesses the Lord. What you need to understand is how much your gift blesses God. She's at the feet of Jesus. She's not thinking about the cost of the perfume. She's thinking about one thing, how much she loves him. And because he has her heart, he has everything that she has. So she said, watch, it's nothing to waste this perfume because he has everything I have. Her greatest desire was just to be in his presence. And all throughout the gospel, you turn around, Mary was there, Mary was there, Mary was there. Was she a disciple? Because she's there as much, if not more, than the disciples. When he's hanging on the cross, saving you and me, she's at the feet she anointed.
It's interesting because the psalm says, I will anoint you in the presence of your enemies. Mary was anointing him in the presence of Judas. And then one scripture I want to point out, and we're closing. It said the fragrance filled the room. You know what's wild? Mary washed Jesus' feet even before Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Everyone in the room, watch, was impacted and affected by her obedience. Do you know your obedience changes the atmosphere of your family? Do you know your obedience changes your world? Ah. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm getting emotional. Because there's so many people in this room that you have obeyed God. <laughs> and someone has told you it was a waste. And as your pastor, I want to declare over you, you cannot fail obeying God. Brandon, you cannot fail obeying God. You cannot fail, church, obeying God. Your obedience is what pleases the Lord. I hear this in my spirit. I'm pleased. I feel that this room is full of Marys. There's someone, something, some demonic voice. It's a demonic voice. In fact, scripture says that Satan entered Judas sometime later. And what did he betray him over? Money. And some lying spirit has tried to say to you, that your obedience has been a waste. I come to tell you today, you've ministered to the Lord. There's other individuals in this room that you haven't been obedient. You've been disobedient. You've disobeyed God and not honored God with your money many other things in your life and the good news his mercy is new every morning I'm not going to ask you to come forward I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand I don't feel like there's any need for that today what I do feel is that you need to encounter God if you want to sit, you could sit. If you want to stand, you could stand. If you want to kneel, you can kneel. If you want to come down the altar, you can come down the altar. But there's individuals right now that you need to repent for your disobedience. And maybe you had a lying spirit that tried to talk you out of obeying. Maybe it was a snake relationship that tried to talk you out of obeying. 
Maybe it was your greed. Maybe you were uninformed. Maybe it was a spirit of fear. But today, you want to please the Lord. Oh, I feel it so strong in my spirit. There are so many people here that you really, really love the Lord. Church, Jesus said, if you love me, you have to obey me. All over this place, would you just encounter God right now? If you need to repent, repent. If you want to stand, you can stand. You can sit where you're at right now. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 